بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله الذي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين اللهم أخرجني من ظلمات الوهم وأكرمني بنور الفهم اللهم افتح علينا أبواب رحمتك وانشر علينا خزائن علومك برحمتك يا رحم الله. In our discussion about divine attributes, we have been studying wisdom, and we said that there was a debate among Muslim theologians whether God's actions are done with a purpose or not. Uh, some had the idea that God's actions have no purpose because they thought this means that God is needy if he has a purpose. Like when we do something in order to gain something, like for example, I make a house to have shelter to be able to be comfortable, to protect myself from heat or from cold or from dangers. So the purpose is there, but the purpose is to serve myself, to secure some of my interests or meet some of my needs. But other theologians, like the Shia theologians, they had the idea that there must be purpose, because if some actions are done without purpose, it means that God's actions are done in vain, are meaningless, have been done arbitrarily. There is purpose, but the purpose doesn't need to be always to benefit the agent, the doer. The purpose can be to benefit other people. In us, Maybe most of the time, our purpose is to help ourselves. But even in human beings, it's possible that sometimes the purpose can be to benefit others. In God, it's always to benefit others. For example, in human beings, sometimes maybe there is a teacher, a scholar, a knowledgeable person, who teaches people not to be paid not to be, for example, learning better. Because sometimes people teach to become more learned. Sometimes people teach to get money. Sometimes people teach to be praised. Sometimes people teach to have experience and put on their CV that I have been teaching. So there can be things like this. But sometimes we have teachers who teach and they don't need any of these things. Or even if they need, they don't think about them. They don't bother about them. They just love to teach because they have in themselves love for knowledge and they want this knowledge to be shared. They, if they see someone is ignorant, they suffer. Okay? So sometimes someone may teach without having any, his, any of his personal interests in mind. Or maybe, for example, you have a person who is a doctor. And he knows that there are some people who are ill. Maybe in a remote place, in a village, in a country which 
for example, was uh, stricken by earthquake or whatever. He goes there, offers his help. He doesn't want to gain anything. Even he doesn't want to, for example, be praised or to be thanked. His purpose is to help other people. So, with respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, <coughs> he has no purpose in the sense of benefiting himself. But he has purpose for everything that he does. Indeed, Muslim philosophers have argued very well, inshallah, when you study philosophy, you reach this point, that nothing happens in this world without God's wise plan, without God's decision and will. We don't have chance. You know, sometimes we say, this happened by chance. For example, I go on the street and without any plan, I see a friend that for many years I was trying to see him, but I was not able to find him. So I say, by chance, I saw my friend. But this is chance for me because I didn't know the way things were evolving. If you had known that, for example, your friend has something to do in that street and he's going to be there at that time, okay, then you would not have called this chance. You say chance because you didn't know about your friend's plans. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is nothing which happens by chance. Whether it is his own actions or the actions of his creatures. Anyway, he has a specific clear purpose or purposes in his actions, which in the end of the day uh, return to the creatures they benefit from. Then in the book we have a discussion about the problems that exist in the world that may look they conflict with divine wisdom. But I before mention this talk a little bit about divine justice which comes in the same chapter after this discussion because I think we need to have some understanding of justice and then inshallah we will come back to this issue. Another quality of God is justice. In the Quran, interestingly, we have so much emphasis on justice. But when it comes to God, we don't have any single verse which says God is just. It always talks about God not being unjust. Okay, so you don't find any ayah in the Quran which says God is adil. But you find many, many uh, verses that says God would not do injustice even to the slightest. This point by itself is something that uh, we can explain maybe another time. But this leaves no chance for someone said that God is unjust because Quran very clearly in many, many places says 
that he doesn't do injustice. So he's not unjust, he is just. And in our hadith, uh, the quality of justice is mentioned for God. But I think Quran for maximum accuracy that it has, and because God's treatment is more than justice, so the focus of the Quran is on saying that he is not unjust, and when it comes to explaining his actions, it's more than justice, more matter of mercy, more matter of wisdom and other things. Because justice is the minimum, justice is the basic, and God is observing not only justice, even above justice. Anyway, that's another issue. No doubt among Muslims that God is just. There was an issue among Muslim theologians. Inshallah, when you study Kalam, you will see this in details. About understanding of justice, interpretation of justice. Some people who are known as Ash'arites in Islam, and we have similar ideas in Christianity and Judaism. And even in philosophy, this is discussed from the time of Plato. If you have studied Western ethics or philosophy, you know there is a theory called divine command theory. This is very much the idea of the Ash'arites. According to them, God does everything with justice. But if you'd ask them what is justice, they say justice is what God does. Or if it comes to human beings, what is justice? What God commands to do. So they don't have any prior, any independent understanding of justice. They try to define justice by saying, this is what God does, or this is what God wants. Because they had the idea that if we want to say there is an independent criteria for justice, it means that then God has to observe them. Then God becomes subordinate. So they say, no. Whatever God says, it's justice. For example, if God says or does, either for himself or telling us, that beating an orphan is okay, then this is justice. Sending a pious people to hell is okay, then they say this is justice. He has said it in different way, but he could have said it in that way. Okay? It means that being kind to an orphan or not being kind by itself, they are the same. By themselves, they are the same. Because God has asked us to be kind to orphans, then we have to be kind. He could have said it in a different way. Or for example, God says, I reward you for doing good things. But he could have said, I punish you for doing good things. So these people who are very religious people, but unfortunately, they are not very well trained intellectually and philosophically. And you find them very much also in other traditions, not only in Islam, you find them in Christianity and Judaism. They have this idea that values like justice should be all learned from religion because we have no way of understanding them because they are not 
objective. The Shiites and also Mu'tazilites from the Sunnis theologians, they said that this is wrong. And indeed, this is destroying the whole idea of religion. It looks you are very religious, but in reality, this means that you are uprooting religion. Because if we don't believe in independent criteria for goodness and badness, justice and injustice, then it means that we cannot even prove in the first place that religion is true. For example, please, you know, watch or listen to the lectures later again, because these things may be difficult, but uh, please listen again uh, so that you familiarize yourself more. For example, if we see a man who is claiming to be prophet, and inshallah, as we will discuss in the discussion about Nabuwa, he has brought something which fulfills all the requirements for mu'jizah, miracle. A miracle has a clear definition, inshallah we talk about it. So he has done something that has all the requirements for mu'jizah, like for example, Jesus reviving the dead. Okay, so we know that this is not a human action. We know that this must be something that is helped by God. So God's power has enabled this person to revive the dead. Okay. Now there is a question. This person says that I am sent by God and he has done this. And you know this is done by God. God has helped him. Why God would not help someone who is a liar? What is logically wrong with this idea if we say someone has brought a miracle but he's a liar and God still has helped him the only way to prove that this man is a true prophet is to say that we rationally understand that it's impossible that God gives miraculous power to a person who wants to misguide people if you don't have this rational understanding, you cannot use Quran or Bible or Hadith because we have not yet believed in religion. So the only reason why we don't accept such possibility, we don't even take it seriously because we know that it's impossible that God gives miraculous power to a person who wants to cheat, a person who wants to misguide. So, as you see, proving religion depends on accepting the ability of human beings to have at least to some extent their rational and independent understanding of what is right and what is wrong. I always mention this hadith from Imam Hussain when I come to this point. You know, on the day of Ashura, Imam Hussain when he saw the enemies going towards the tents where children, ladies were there, he said, 
إِلَّمْ يَكُنْ لَكُمْ دِينَ وَكُنْتُمْ لَا تَخَافُونَ الْمَعَادِ فَكُونُوا أَحْرَارًا فِي دُنْيَاكُمْ If you have no religion and you don't fear the hereafter, at least be noble in your worldly life. So this means that you don't need to be taught by religion. You don't need to believe in religion so that you understand the basics of akhlaq. Even if you are not a believer, if you are an atheist or you are a person who is a skeptical, a person who has not yet set and made his mind, you are still searching, no problem. Still you have to understand the basics of akhlaq. You should understand that you should not attack women and children. So, the Shiites and Mu'tazilites from the Sunni Islam, they had the idea that justice is an issue which can be understood rationally and independent from religion. Religion comes not to tell us this is justice and you just take it no matter whether it is fitting with our conscience or not. Religion is not there to say kindness and not being kind are the same but you have to be kind. It doesn't make sense. In the Quran, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, God commands you to be just and benevolent. So this means that we have some understanding of adl. We have some understanding of ihsan. And God commands us to observe. Yes, from religion we understand many details. We understand much better what are the requirements of justice. So, the Shia and the Mu'tazilites were called Al-Adliyah, the people of justice, for this reason. Although all Muslims believe that God is just, but because for them justice is a serious issue. For them justice is something that you can have independent understanding of justice. Then they were called Al-Adliyah. According to the Shiites and the people who are like them from other schools of Islam, anything that is against justice is not committed by God and it's not advised or asked by God. The only people who do injustice, the only people who also command injustice are the people who are weak. There's a beautiful hadith which says, The only people who need injustice are those who are weak. Why they do injustice? Either they want to take money of people without having any rights. Either they want to take power and they want to control people. Or for example, I don't know, they want to be famous. So it means that they have a need inside for money, for position, for, I don't know, fame, whatever. 
and they think by injustice they can satisfy themselves. They can meet their needs. If someone is absolutely rich, why he should do injustice? Or someone who is absolutely good, why he should do injustice? Someone who is absolutely powerful, why he should do injustice? So, when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He does everything according to the requirements of justice. He doesn't do any injustice. And you have also to remember one important point. And this is despite the fact that no one has any right over God. Still, he doesn't do injustice, you know. We, me and you, we are independent somehow from each other in the sense that our being, our existence, our creation is independent. Neither you have created me nor I have created you, yeah? But still, we have some interactions. There are ways that we need each other. There are ways that we can help each other. There are ways that we can mistreat each other. So here justice is very obvious. I should observe your rights. I shouldn't, you know, violate your rights. But with respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is no one independent from him. There is no one who has any thing that he can claim that you owe me. I have done something for you or I have something of my own. With respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no one has anything to claim. Indeed, when we talk about God's justice, it's about those issues that God himself has promised us. For example, we had to do good things anyway. But he says, if you do good things, I reward you. So if he doesn't keep his promise of rewarding, we say this is zulm. But he was not required to give this promise in the first place as far as our rights are concerned. It's his mercy that in order to encourage us to be good, he promises us to reward. Like for example, a teacher wants to encourage the students to learn better, to work harder, to study better. So he says those who get good results, I take them, for example, to a trip. Those then who study and get good results, now they have a right to be taken to the trip. But this is not the right that they had by themselves. This is not their essential right. This is the right which is there because he had promised them. But why he had promised them? He didn't owe them. It was his own kindness, the kindness and mercy of the teacher that not only he made himself available for them not only he taught them everything in the good way but also he went further and promised them to do something which was not necessary just in order to encourage them okay so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't owe any person and when we talk about his justice is about the things that he has promised to give us. Now, let's go back to the question of 
the problems that exist in the world or we may think that they are problems that exist in the world and see how they fit into our understanding of God who is wise and just. Many people, they think these problems are more about justice. But after explanation, it will become clear that it's more about wisdom. For example, sometimes a person says, why I cannot have a child? People have children. Some people have one, some people have two, some people have more children. I am married 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I don't have any child. Where is justice of God? Why he has not given me child and he's given other people children? Or for example, why I am not that good in my memory like the other people who have good memory? Like why I'm not that in, you know, clever like other people, for example? Why my parents died when I was very young? Other people have their parents. Okay, many things like this can be asked. But if you look at these things carefully, none of them can question divine justice. Why? Because those who have children or those who have no children, none of them has any right to claim. It's not that God owes us to give us children. Okay? If he has given children, it's because of his kindness and the plan that he has. If he hasn't given children, again, it's because of the plan and he has, and he has the same kind person. But none of them can claim. Like, for example, if a person has been given, giving, say, some help to poor people. Imagine we have, for example, some people who need help, some needy families. If he says, I give to this family every month 500 pounds, I give to the other family every month 600 pounds, to another one 1,000 pounds. Those who receive less, they cannot question his justice. Because it's giving from his own money. If it was a money that belonged to them, or it was a money which was given as charity by other people, and he was responsible for distribution, and they had equal share, then they could have asked him why you didn't distribute it equally. But he says, this is my money. I can give you nothing. I can give you more. I can give you less. I can give you equal. You cannot question his justice. Okay? Yes. There is something, and that is about wisdom. When it comes to God, we know that for everything that he has done, there is a reason. So with respect to God, we can say, oh God, we know that you have done everything out of your favor and we don't have any rights over you. But because you are very wise, please teach us why you have given some people and not other people. Or why you have given some people more and other people not the same. 
Okay? So here is not the question of justice and zulm. No one can question justice of God. The only thing is to be able to rise to a level that we can understand the wisdom of God. Why God from himself has given people different amounts. Okay, is it clear? So it's not a matter of justice. It's a matter of wisdom. And in order to understand the wisdom behind what happens in the world, then we need to consider a few points. I mentioned one point, and shall we continue next session? One of the points to understand is that to understand wisdom behind someone's action, you need to know everything that that person has considered in his action. Okay? For example, you see that I am giving from my own money to a person 100 pounds and another person, I give him nothing. You cannot say I am unwise because two people, although it was from my money, I have given them different treatment. You cannot say it is unjust. Why? Because you don't know whatever is in my mind. Maybe I didn't give one of them because I had already given him. Or maybe I know that this person, if I give him, he will go and buy some harmful things. Or maybe... He becomes lazy. Or maybe I want to give him later more. So there are many things that can be in my mind that you don't know. So the only people, and such people never exist. The only people can really question wisdom of God are the people who can claim that they know everything. That God knows in his knowledge and still they don't know why this has been done. But who can claim that I know everything about even myself? This is one point, and inshallah we will talk about the, the nature of this world, about the limitations and all these things. So, basically, we defined the wisdom of God and justice of God, and we said that the problems that may look in the world are not problems that can be a challenge for justice of God, it's just problems that may stop us understanding everything behind the actions of God. If you want to understand the wisdom, we cannot question, we cannot deny because we don't have comprehensive knowledge. We can just try to understand. We can just try to familiarize ourselves with the way that God looks at things and plans things. And inshallah, we will continue this discussion in the next session. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillah. رب العالمين